Hello and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by none other than Aquarium Co-op. And who better to talk about Aquarium Co-op than my guest for this episode, Mr. Robert Bennett, General Manager. Robert, what is your favorite co-op product right now or a product that we sell? Hmm, that's a hard one because we sell a bunch of great stuff. But you know what? There's one I love to feed to the shop. I recommend it in a lot of the unboxing videos, Extreme Curl Flakes. Ooh, do tell, do tell. What do you like about this product? So, it's a good quality flake, and what I really like about it, it's packed with a good amount of krill in there, and why do I like krill? The krill's the natural color enhancer of the wild. That's why your, uh, your salmon, if you get it like wild caught, it got that nice, beautiful pink color, and you ever notice there's the other salmon that's kind of orange color, that's artificially dyed. Mm. So, what does this mean for your fish? Your reds are, and oranges are just going to be more vibrant. So it's just a natural way to kind of get a great color enhanced for your fish. And you know what? We all love that classic, easy-to-feed fish food, the flake food. Yeah, I love it. All right, Robert, thank you so much, man. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. My guest today is a repeat guest, Mr. Robert Bennett, General Manager of Aquarium Co-op. Welcome back into the Aquarium not the Aquarium Co-op, the Aquarist podcast interview hot seat, sir. Well, you're all right. It's Aquarium Co-op in here, so <laughs> it is. This is This is a true statement. This is a true statement. We are doing some uh, pre-interview uh, sound check level stuff with uh, talking about Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's a very exciting series that we could completely go on. Should we just turn this episode into talking about nothing but the Mandalorian <laughs> and just, you know, really upset the, you know, 2% of the population that doesn't watch Mandalorian? Yeah, I think, there's some, no. I think there's some shows that do that. You know, say they're going to talk about something else, and it's some other thing goes on. It's mildly appropriate because I do have a Boba Fett painting in my office right there. So there is Mandalorian representation. Multiple Star Wars stuff in here. I there's know. A, do you still have the game set in here too? Um. Oh, the X-wing game set. Yeah. No, no, I took that home. We oh. we actually never ended up playing that here. Oh. Okay. You should uh, uh look up the rules on that, and we'll play we'll play X-wing yes. sometime. I need to. I need to like yeah. get a nerd game and get into something. You can so. do Warhammer. Yeah, I can do that. It's a it's a bit of a money sink, but it's uh. I it's actually a lot of fun. might even have some pieces at my mom's house somewhere. It is a perfect uh, pandemic lockdown activity of basically building and painting, and you have no idea how long it takes. So basically, this I can kind of tie this into fish keeping. I guess that uh, between the hobbies of fish keeping and now this kind of like tabletop miniature thing. And having children and a family, um, there's zero free time. Like, there's zero free time for anything. So that's, uh, you know, good times. So anyway, Robert, welcome back to the Aquarius Podcast, man. It's been a, been a little bit, at least a year, I'd probably a year say. year and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half. So welcome back. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to come talk to me, and, and hopefully we can do some good nerding out on fish stuff. Um, should we talk? So let's let's talk about Mr. Bob Steenfot and I. We have the Oki Finoki Pygmy Sunfish Challenge, right? Yes. And so it's probably been at least a month since Bob and I did the interview. Maybe yeah, about about a month, maybe just a wee bit more. So. And we don't have Oki Finoki Pygmy Sunfish yet. I don't have the fish I ordered yet either. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going to throw this company under the bus again. If somebody wants to go back and uh, you know get the name of the the website, but basically, what's what is the update? What is this company telling you um, on the status of our order? Because it's a fairly large order. Like it's I've large. got, I've got stuff. Bob has stuff. You have stuff. Obviously, yeah. Dean, I think Dean. Dean has some, got stuff. some stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I need to call them. I, I didn't have time to call them yesterday. It's a, it's a mom and pop company, so it's a little hard to kind of get a hold of them. We're mom and pop. Yeah, we're mom and pop, but we're, we we know how to execute things correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so I did get a hold of them a little bit before Thanksgiving. I had a name drop who I was. 
in there. How did that? So, which I already name dropped it on the original order. No, and, I, and I've been emailing, and there was no response. I've been calling him. You know, <laughs> what prior. Did your, you, what did your original order say? This is Robert Bennett from Aquarium Co-op. Uh, placing an order. Like, well, I think when I placed the order, it was like, "Hey, this is Rob from the Aquarium Co-op. You know, can't wait to get these in." And you know, they're like generated emails as great we'll have this to you next week and you're like sweet you and know? this was at least a month ago now yeah i think it's and what then, we're you know it's supposed to ship out monday and yeah i didn't get the i didn't get the, the the message saying like it's shipped out which you know i bought reptiles online so that's not sometimes uncommon mm-hmm. so it says wednesday so wednesdays come comes and goes i'm like well, what the heck <laughs> now i'm trying to call the company no response like their, their voicemail is just basically like please leave a message and this message box is full nice and I, their their customer service area is a little wonky. It's like just one of those kind of like if you're angry, please just leave an email here. So I the the uh, the full voicemail inbox is like the first like uh oh yeah uh oh what's yeah. going on here yeah what's well, going this on? company's been around for a while too. So it's like you're like well, maybe like are they dead? Like <laughs> there's a pandemic going on. So uh, yeah, I leave it. I think I send an email, maybe even two. And I finally, I just like, you know, I'm going to keep trying to call them. Maybe I'm just getting them on weird lunch breaks. We're on West Coast, they're on the East Coast. And I finally get a hold of someone. And they're like, oh, shoot, sorry. Or no, it was the owner of the company. So it was like me getting a hold of Corey. And he's like, oh, you know what? I don't have some of your fish. And of course, it has to be the fish I wanted. So they actually have. Everything. Oh, they had. They, they had, had all your oh, stuff. Oh, nice, nice. And they're like, well, well we... send it. They didn't send partials. I think they wanted to like clump it up together oh. because their shipping is insanely expensive. You're I paying mean, for it though. It's okay. If you're paying for it, I'm I'm good I, with I it. Maybe they, they maybe they're kind of like we can't do this. You have to pay again or something. I have no idea. But I was like, all right, cool. At least I got oh, hold of someone. You know what? I'm gonna give. I'm a guy of second chances. <laughs> Please just give me my order. I'll, I'll hey, if we can ship this out the next week. Cool. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna try to get it. Still doesn't happen. Oh man. So I'm like, what the heck? I call again. And I get hold of the, I think it was like the daughter or somebody, and they, uh, I was like, well, you know, this is the Robert from Aquarium Cola. <laughs> and it was a, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna get these. We have to go out, out and collect because some of the stuff I wanted, they actually just go out and collect, which I, it sounds like that's actually kind of common with these so, natives. So we're talking three weeks in. They have an order. They have money. Yeah. And they didn't. They still they, haven't they, like fulfilled. They still had because I think they're like looking around their tanks in their in their shop area. And they're like, oh, we just don't have something. Three fish. weeks later, something like that. Yeah. So they're like, well, some of these we, we have to go out and find. And he's like, we're gonna get this out, but you know, you're coming to Thanksgiving week. You know, cold weather. All right, we're gonna ship them out. So that should be technically this week, if I heard it correctly. Mm. And supposedly we should get some extra feed kits in there. Okay. And throwing some extra fish in there. Okay. They're saying you've been you've been awesome with being real real patient with us. Thank you for not canceling. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a struggle, and I think you know you saying that you're a guy of second chances. Like I, um, you know, I've I've I worked for Amazon uh, for a couple of years and and did that thing. So I'm very indoctrinated in like that customer obsession, like. Um, that's actually one of their. Is it was it one of the tenets or was it one of the principles? Was customer obsession? I think it was a. What do what do they call them? Principles. Anyway, it's been a, it's been at least two and a half years now since is I was it, last is that the there. Triangle thing. But uh, there's a circle. There's like okay. a golden circle of growth that Amazon does. That's like a napkin chart. Anyway, um, so I have this like very very high standard for how you should take care of your customers mm-hmm. because it, it it takes a lot 
of resources to actually earn a new customer. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you kind of get like the one chance to do a good job at it. And if you don't, you really need to appease that customer in mm-hmm. one way or another. And we, and we definitely like, we embody that here at Aquarium Co-op a hundred percent, like short of, and I was talking with, we actually had one of our uh, reps in here this morning for one of our, you know, big suppliers. And we we're kind of going over this, that, um, you know, these companies are shooting themselves in the foot when they try to nickel and dime their customers on, you know, if a plant dies or whatever it is. And we, we just take care of you, whether it's USPS's fault, whether it's our fault, whether, whether like regardless of what it is, short of somebody being completely unreasonable and belligerent and demeaning and cursing and just like, like all the negative things that somebody could do interacting with us. Like we're pretty, we're going to take care of somebody short yeah. of, short of somebody being um, unreasonable as I had described. And so, um, you know, with that mentality and I hear the story of a month deep into this order and like no real concession has happened, no partial shipment, no nothing, like no them reaching out to us to say that, you know, you had to reach out to them several yes. times. It's like this, that's why this hobby, tropical fish keeping is ripe for a company like Aquarium Co-op that's going to step in and actually like update how customers are treated and update how orders are handled because there's like this old guard of, well, you know, we're the website with the best price, so you're going to get terrible customer service. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. You yeah. know, oh, you're going to go into PetSmart, Petco. Good luck. Ha ha. But now it's like, you know, there's there's this new generation of business that's pushing back and is bringing this better sense of customer service and customer satisfaction. It's not necessarily just on price, but it's no, we're like we're going to treat you just as good as if you place your orders with Amazon or somebody else because you have to. Like you have to in this day and age of like aggressive e-commerce. Like you can't just, you know, have substandard service and expect that you're going to be around for very much longer. And so that's where, again, like working for Aquarium Co-op, like I want to be treated that same way, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you're a fish website, so... You know, hey, you answered your you answered your phone at least, you yeah. know, and you're gonna send me extra fish. I guess that's okay. But hopefully in hopefully in you know five or ten years, like companies like an Aquahuna that adopt our level of customer service that everybody's just gonna have to step up their game and you can buy with confidence from any of these sites because if you're playing in this e-commerce tropical fish game, like you better bring your A game or you're gonna you're gonna go out of business real fast. Yeah, and that customer service translates to our retail as well. You know, it's not just like, you know, you don't have USBS to blame, but, you know, fish die, and, you know, we're here. That we're going to take care of you. Yeah, you guys, um, as a uh, as a fanboy customer, you guys took, definitely took care of me. There was one time where I had ordered some intake sponges, and it was shipped very poorly, and I just, you know, didn't I, – I had a mild relationship with Corey at that point, so I just sent him a message like, hey, man um, – I would want to know about this if I were in your operation of this is how my package came. And, you know, I, I don't want any money back or anything. I'm, ha- I'm fine with the product, but I just want you to know, right? Mm-hmm. And so he took that and, you know, passed it on to his operations team at the time, and they, they made some improvements. Um, but then also you yourself, I came in, I, I picked up some Cardinal Tetras and bringing them home, like two had, I think I got, I bought 12 and just in that short drive to my house, you know, 25, 30 minutes from the co-op, uh, two had passed. And, yeah. you know, I, I sent you guys a message or I called you and you're like, oh, no worries. We'll take care of you next time you come in. Mm-hmm. And that was me as a customer. So, you know, I definitely have that firsthand experience and there was no real like, well, show me a picture, cut its head off. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you Photoshopped that Cardinal Tetra and flipped it upside down in the picture, cut its head off. And then, well, and then we'll give you a DOA. Even if your water is like, you know, some kind of like nuclear reactor, you know, pool going on in there, we'll still work with you, you know, because we've all been there. So we're all trying to we're trying to figure out how to make it great for you, you know, like 
so you don't go home and fail because we want to keep you as a customer. Yeah, well, if you fail, then you're going to leave the hobby. <laughs> you're going to leave the hobby. It's or, not just you yeah. know us losing you; it's it's the hobby loses you. Mm-hmm. So and, that's... and then not to mention, you know, I have other shops. You know, just like online, there's other places, but you know, there's a few shops within not too far shouting distance from us. You know, mm-hmm. you know, fish store and um, there's a Petco. There's Petco, you know, there's right Petco's and PetSmart's yeah. everywhere. And exactly. So yeah, we got to. Got to do what we can, and yeah, I think that's a good segue into um, you know what's uh, what's new with the co-op. How has you know with with COVID, and I, I hate beating the drum, but I feel like I, I have to not even beating the drum, but uh, you know bringing bringing this pandemic thing back up. But how has how has it been at the retail store with COVID? Um, what are some of the challenges? Like just kind of talk about that. So when COVID came in. You know, it's over, gosh, like nine months ago? Kobe. So ten, ten months ago? Yeah. Kobe's, I like to call it. Um, it was definitely like an oh, oh shoot moment when it came down because we did not know, you know, is are people going to be unemployed? That was kind of like the when, when they were shutting down everything. I remember actually placing the fish order Sunday night, and like minutes later, the governor's shutting the state down. Yep. And it was scary. It was scary. That that first month was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know how to talk to my employees. That's that's the worst thing as a general manager is how am I going to dress my crew? Like everything's fine. We've been telling you as a company, we want to keep you for a lifetime, and I don't even know if there's going to be a store, you know, at this point. But luckily, uh, I think the creativeness of you know Corey and you know us, us as a team, kind of thinking on our feet, you know, we said, well, why don't we just try doing. Um, doorside pickup mm-hmm. well we had shut down too yeah we had actually followed the the lockdown shutdown and we even though we technically could have stayed open at the retail store there was just so much uncertainty that we did uh we did close our doors for three weeks two weeks well yeah yes yeah. so, well no, no we, we actually stayed open um we just didn't have anybody in i thought we i thought we did actually shut down for a period Mm-mm. Oh, okay no no we, we just we decided like you know what we're gonna we're just gonna have the door and if someone wants something we'll we'll back that's it up right okay but it was definitely we were prepared. Like mm-hmm. I was extra feeding, and we were doing like real gr- like basically that first week or so we were basically we we're just we're cleaning like a son of a gun in the shop because mm-hmm. we are getting prepared basically. So like if we have to shut the shop down, basically we could kind of like maybe make it through like you know if I have not come in for a day or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but we started to do doorside pickup, and surprisingly, it worked out okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the numbers, sales numbers weren't bad, but when looking back at past, it was actually kind of what we used to do not too long ago. And it turned out with COVID, everyone's at home. We were talking about like the Warhammer kind of game and, you know, like little hobbies. It was a hobby that suddenly blossomed. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the case for all the pet industry. You know, dog adoptions, cat adoptions went up. Everyone's at home. Everyone wants to do aquarium. It's a stressful time. Aquariums are one of the best, um, I think, stress relievers. Assuming everything is going great in your tank, <laughs> it could also be a stress maker. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, yeah, if you want a stress maker, start a fish room. But <laughs> you it, know, start a fish room. Try to do like a high end aquascape. <laughs> like try to take take your hobby beyond like the easy, not even easy, but like kind of the the basic route, mm-hmm. and then you can start really stressing yourself. Yeah, like you know, in general, or like Dutch plant aquariums or it, something like that. In, in general, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty stress relieving hobby. And it was interesting to see how the sales changed a little bit like what was popular it suddenly became the bread and butter fish so uh your oddballs were just non-existent you know no one was coming in looking for some kind of weird knife fish or bashir and in what could some of that have been just people browsing i think and then they said like oh what's that thing i'll go ahead and buy it kind of shopping well i so that was basically the um uh i'm brain farting right now on the word uh 
Yeah, like when you walk in the store and you're like, you have no idea you want to buy something. You're like, oh, that looks cool. I'm gonna buy it. Um, impulse, impulse buying. Impulse, impulse buying. Buy, yeah. yeah, the impulse buying was gone. Mm-hmm. It was all that was basically what it was. Is it was it was your old school stuff. Everyone knows what a fancy Guppy is. Everyone knows what a neon Tetra is. And for plants, everyone knows what an Amazon sword was. Amazon sword sales went up. Hmm. I used to not sell them that crazy in the shop. Like maybe five a week it went up to like 25 a week because hmm. everyone knew what that plant was because they couldn't see our collection i mean certainly they could go on their phone and look at the website but some of those people might not really known about our website we were gaining customers so they were just kind of coming like oh you're a fish store near us uh, mm-hmm. what plant should i want you know like well i want something green i i, I know something about swords that's what i used to play with 30 years ago hmm. you know I, I know what an angel fish is and it turned out guppies were real easy we just catch them in the catch cup when we bring them up to the door we had well it was awesome is we have a half door we have like a barn door kind of that would like how convenient that is was the it? most convenient thing ever right like so so aquarium co-op if you if you're not fortunate enough to live in the area or you visited the store like we literally have our front door is the uh warehouse is not like this though no it's the same one but it, oh, it's it, the same it way? sticks really bad so uh, okay. it won't open as easily so our our complex and i don't even think it's every retail space but our what was formerly the warehouse and is now kind of like the back stock slash break room which is really nice now uh, not that it wasn't before but it's a really nice break room now um the the retail store the main door it's a little bit wider i think than normal but it's mm-hmm. a barn door so you get that half the door can stay open and the bottom can stay closed mm-hmm. which is like so perfect for yeah. curbside pickup man it's... yeah we just post up uh you know we had our, our tills and we had like a little contact uh contactless kind of card reader mm-hmm. and we had those big you know those big windows up front so if people wanted bettas we would just be like, well, what color are you looking for? And you're like, oh, I like something red. And like, All right. <laughs> just hold it up through the window. Well, we, just, we just like, we'd put them up on top of the. Oh, I, nice. I, I cleared off this. I usually carry like sticks and wood up there of random sorts and I cleared hardscape. that out. Hardscape. Call hardscape. it hardscape. Yeah, hardscape. There you go. I've got sticks and wood. <laughs> well, I started putting rocks up there too. To <laughs> Make like, it sound fancy. I've got, I used to put hardscape material up hardscape, there. You know, fancy manzanita <laughs> wood. But anyway, so I cleared that out a little bit and then we just like, just be the landing zone for like eight beta containers and be like, I'll just point to which one you want. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, um, you know, I, I'm not down there at the, the retail stuff, you know, retail store nearly as much as when we actually had the warehouse operation there. Um, but, you know, that first, like, day or two when we started doing curbside, I do remember that there was at least one guy that was upset that this is, like, as it's just all going down, he drove up from Tacoma, which is mm-hmm. about an hour drive south of us so, from, yeah, from, yeah, the, from the yeah. co-op. And so he made this drive, which, granted, it was lockdown, so he had smooth sailings at least. You know, it's not like he had to sit in traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was fairly upset that he wasn't able to uh, go into the yeah. store. Well, and... I think we had some people coming in from like Texas, or like just seemed oblivious to what yeah. what was going on in the world, and it was like, oh, I really wanted to come up here. This is the whole reason why we came up here. And you're like, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic and a plant. You know, well, it's like this is the the middle, like the beginning of the middle. Yeah. When we really, really didn't know no. anything, and yeah. everything was super, super scary. Um. And then, so anyway, we ran with that for a while, and then I think we decided to just kind of continue with it. Some shops were just letting people in because the pet business is considered essential. Essential, yeah. the the food The food aspect of it, you know, makes yeah. it uh, helps us to 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 be classified as essential. I do want to go back to people ordering kind of the classics. Were you? Was there any like people would show up at the door and be like, "What do you recommend?" This is my, you know, oh, totally. I've got, I've got yeah. a 20 gallon, yeah. a 40 gallon. Yep. What kind of fish should I put in here? So, yeah. Um, so, luckily, the lines weren't getting too crazy. Like on the weekends, they get, we get a little bit of a line. But, uh, yeah, we'd have time to kind of work with them. So, yeah, we would, that's, I mean, that's a typical day in the aquarium co op mm-hmm. is I just built a tank. What do I put in it? 
or I'm going to build a tank. What do I put in it? But at least now, um, because, and I guess this, to set the timeline up, we did curbside for a good like month or two. It was like March, no, March through first week of June or so. I think okay, it was curbside. So we couple, went a little bit longer. Yeah, a couple months. We, we did just curbside only, no customers in the store. Now, very, very limited number of people that mm-hmm. come into the store. So you can do kind of that window shopping again and browsing yeah. and impulse buys and all that fun stuff. But, um, was it, you know, let's say somebody comes in, they say, I want little fish for my planted tank. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, would you, would you try to show them like a silver tip Tetra or would you just be no, like, you I, know what a neon Tetra is. I'll just get you those. Uh, well, I'd probably go like, know. well, you like orange. I got like Ember Tetras. I think they're great for, you know, so we kind of like cookie cutter out what we know fits for a tank. So size, you do like size color, size like color. the yep. two main kind so of. So if you're like okay. 10 gallon or smaller, well, maybe we'll look at chili rasboras and, and an Oscar and Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if we're doing ten and ten to twenty gallon, then we know like the neons work well and things like that. Uh, but it turned out, you know, neon tetras was what people wanted. So a lot of times, it just kind of went to the, what they kind of grew up with or like were familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then during this time too, the fish selection got really limited. So super limited. Uh, I mean, we're talking even to the point of say like I think I was doing one order and it was rummy noses, which I order like fifty to a hundred at a time. And not to mention when I sell them, it's six to a dozen. Mm-hmm. at a time i could order 12 one two 12 yeah that's all i could get and one order from our main vendor so that was how hard it was to get fish and a lot of stuff just disappeared like auto sinkless were just not available i i remember like three months um you know so looking at these distributor excel spreadsheets of what they have available um you know they typically have it broken up into categories like oh you know here's your lake malawi cichlids tanganyikan Old world cichlids, South American cichlids, yada yada. Like they, mm-hmm. they break it out, live bears and whatnot. And you could have a couple hundred species on this mm-hmm. list at any given time at a bare minimum. And so let's <laughs> let's say like South American cichlids. That would at least have forty different species yeah, 40, of fish. Yeah. On on like a on a given week, right? Yeah. They update this week this list every week. And it got to the point like at its worst, right? At its most limited selection, I think that South American cichlid list dropped to like Five, something like that. Like seven, discus were like not a right, not like something, <laughs> something super crazy. Like wow, like there's nothing on there. And so while you've got this like windfall of people getting into the hobby, it then started butting up against like oh, there's no, there's like zero international flights. Yeah, whether they're coming from a farm in Southeast Asia or they're wild collected in 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 Africa or they're wild collected in uh, South America, the flights are just not happening to get these fish into the country. So, um, you know, luckily, you know, things have significantly bounced back. Um, I I think we're very fortunate to have Florida fish farms, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a a good number of fish farms that produce a good amount of fish. And there was still some flights, you know, LAX has still been getting a lot of flights from Southeast Asia. So we're still able to get some, uh, some decent number of of fish and plants, but yeah, it was really, it was really scary. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's selection. Like, Whew, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next week? And, and slowly, I, slowly species started to trickle back onto yeah. the list. Because, I mean, it got to the point where I know, like, with one of my main ones, I have to hit a certain number of dollars for the order to happen. I think I had to ask, like, am, am I able to fill this? Like, are you guys able to do it? So <laughs> I think they're, like, yeah. we got wiggle room right now. We understand. But, yeah, it was it was hard, you know, trying to stock this store. Because it, it, you know, Neon Tetris is selling like crazy. Then mm-hmm. suddenly I couldn't get Neon Tetris. Like, it used to be I could buy them, like, 100 out of batch. And then it was down to like maybe 50 mm-hmm. and that's the number one fish and so you're trying to feed the fire that's going on outside and you know i'm running out of 
you know ammo for this <laughs> yeah i wonder if the uh those the the southeast asian fish farms if they're just overflowing with stock right now oh because um, they're just not able to get nearly as much out or uh, or if we're just because i mean there are flights but you know the the freight has doubled or tripled depending on i think where it's, it's in a from. like a somewhat in between uh phase because i i'm not seeing the uh the grouping discounts like on some mm. stuff so I think they're just able to feed enough. I think the flights are just enough mm-hmm. right now. Um, but, you know, we'll see, you know, because we're in, like, what now, the third wave kind of going through right now through the country and, and kind of the world. So we'll see how it kind of goes. <laughs> yeah. What what else is uh, what else is new at the co-op? Oh, uh, what else is new? So, well, besides, we're letting people come in and, and we are checking temperatures and we are only oh, – we got the pager system. Yeah, so we – I feel like we're on an olive garden system. going on right now. <laughs> I was going to say Outback Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse. How many, how many of those do we have? We got 10. We have 10. So we have – so if you come to Aquarium Co-op, we will give you a little buzzer, right? Yep. And you can go back to your car because, like, in wintertime now, mm-hmm. um, our complex is kind of cool to walk around in, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it's not – you know, it's it, – you can walk around and kill a few minutes going up and down the stairs and just kind of walking around the parking lot and whatnot. But as it gets colder and wetter, you know, you might, you're probably going to want to sit in your car. And so we now have, we've invested in the, uh, and again, customer experience, right? Like we want you to have the best experience in kind of all facets when you shop with Aquarium Co-op, whether it's online or in the retail store. But we now have the restaurant style uh, pager to let you know your table's ready. Yeah. And for us, that's it's, what I say. Your table's ready. <laughs> have you ever accidentally hit the button to like notify, and you've been like, "Oh, it's not that person," or um, is it pretty easy? No, it's pretty easy. I, th- I think one time I did hit the button, though, but it was a pager that was actually right there, like in my oh, hand. Okay. And well, luckily, it doesn't go off. These things are loud. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you, it's funny because you could hear them like going beep beep beep. You're like, "Well, where are you? I can, I can hear you." <laughs> is the next evolution we're gonna get them to actually be like little Murphys? Oh, like cool. People came around and like instead of a buzzer, it's like his four teeth just chomping, like chomp, 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 and it's and it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we got that, and it's funny like trying to teach the workers how to how to work it because we we're just like, all right, like, you, well, we we came across actually the issue was not everyone wanted a pager, like especially when it's sunny. You know, it might be so Washington. It's kind of interesting weather. It could be forty eight degrees, which is I would say it's chilly. But if the sun's out, people want to be out in the sun. We take advantage of it. 100%. They don't want to go in the car. It's around 4 o'clock is when they want to go in the car. Problem is, is like, say, let's say I got a line of 1 through 4. Number 3 might want the pager. Then now I have to hand the pagers to everybody. Why wouldn't you just hand the pagers to everybody regardless if they're going well, in their car sometimes, outside? Well, because sometimes it's one of those things like if they're waiting outside, if they're going to stay in there, we decided like it's not a headache for us to deal with the pager system. Mm. Um until someone wants it. So basically once the moment someone wants it, then that's when we start the pager system. Because usually we could try to get the line going. If it's earlier in the day when it is sunny, it's not really a problem. We're, we're getting through the line fairly quick, mm. if there is even a line. Uh, but definitely by, by evening, when we, ha- we have to do it. And it was it was a trouble at first, for the first day or two, is uh, like we would hand them the pager. We would hand number one to like the number three guy, and they're like, oh, wait, it's uh, – Buzz the person, he's wearing a Yankees hat. You know, that's the next person kind of coming in. And I was like, no, no, no. We're, we're doing this all completely wrong. We have to hand it out in order to everyone. Everyone gets one. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that seems to me to make the, the most sense. And, I mean, I to me as a, as a customer, if I went to a fish store or, like, a real specialty store where I would never expect to be handed a restaurant-style buzzer, mm. kind of given the situation – that to me would be like, oh, this place is actually pretty serious. They care, like they yeah. want to make sure that and they keep it as streamlined as possible. And you there's know. some shops around here that aren't caring, and I've definitely heard that it's a, you know, it's a, it's a cluster show going on at yeah. some of those places. Because I've gone to some of them, you're like, man, there is no social distancing going on here. I don't know how they're not being shut down. 
Um, so I've seen it on the forums. I've actually got it from, you know, uh, older folks that come in the store, you know, the ones who would be mostly impacted by, by right, COVID. like kind of an at-risk category. At-risk category. Yeah. And they're like, thank you so much, one, for being open, and two, for um, taking this seriously. You know, we have sanitizer in there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to wear the mask. We only allow... We spray people down, make them lift their arms yeah. up, do the th- complete 360 like as we hose them down. Level 4 CDC going lab going on. You have uh, to step in bleach <laughs> as you walk in. So we, we, I think even we could technically have a little bit more people in our shop. We decided to go even safer and just bring that number down just a little bit more because it's a tight... It's a tight confine mm-hmm. in there. I call it a submarine yeah. in the shop. Yeah, it really it really is. Because we, we care. Well, not only... I don't want the disease, but I don't want you to get the disease. So we want to keep that outside. How so. is um, how are people generally handling their time in the store? And what I mean by that is, um, are people making less frequent trips? Therefore, they are trying to maximize their time in the store and spend as much time as possible and just soak it up. Or are they completely realizing, like, okay, I understand there's a line pandemic. I'm uh, in, I'm out. Because <laughs> here's one of the things with the co-op. Like, one of the double-edged swords of being aquarium co-op is that, as a customer, I know this firsthand, trying to go to the aquarium co-op on a weekend with your toddler, right, is a very frustrating experience because there are so many people that come there that are just soaking up the coolness of the store and are talking with the staff and asking all the questions and doing the Murphy photo ops and all that stuff that, as somebody that just knows exactly what they want and they want to get in and out with their toddler, it's really, really hard when all the salespeople are tied up. So for me, I, I would actually, you know, I, I think this is one of those things of the, what COVID brings that kind of maybe brings a little bit more stability to mm-hmm. day-to-day life. Like, you don't have to worry about the guy behind you in a checkout line getting into your personal space, right? Yeah. We all remember those days when, like, the dude would just get, like, two inches from the back of your neck mm-hmm. at Safeway, and it's, or Vaughn's if you're in Southern California. Um, you know, and, and you're just like, come on, I can have some personal space. Yeah. Now with COVID, it's like everybody knows it's just personal space. Just six feet. Get well, away from that's me. Well, I remember, like, the, I think... <laughs> Just a few days before we shut down, and it was like a sardine can in there, and I was like, "This is not <laughs> safe. Like, we yeah. we got to do something because you know I think we just it hasn't hit us like that was coming mm-hmm. in, and it was it was packed. That was the typical yeah. weekend. Um, so what do you see? What do you see customers doing though? Are it's they, both. It's both. Oh, you get it? some are like, "No, screw it. I waited thirty <laughs> minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna take my time. You know, we got signs like, please don't spend more than twenty minutes mm-hmm. in here. We want you know so we can kind of keep the flow continuous, and we're kind of always around. You're like, anything else we can catch for you? Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me um, wrong, like I can completely appreciate somebody wanting to enjoy mm-hmm. a trip well, to our store. I make it hard. I order store. awesome fish, and everyone wants to... <laughs> it takes like 15 minutes just to walk around through the shop, I think, just to kind of get an idea of what you want. It's so. a small... And it's a small store, um, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a small uh, store. It's a little bit both. So you do get some people like, screw it. I, I came here from Tacoma. I waited in line. I'm here to go get my stuff. I want to enjoy my time. And you get some people who definitely get it. Like, nope, I'm in here. I want... Like, it's usually for the food people or if they kind of came in... A, on what I call for a mission, they're kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. They they get the, they know it, um, but we help speed it up because we only keep one group per basically associate. Right. So we, um, you know, we're right there. So you don't have that person sitting behind you, um, you know, breathing on your neck. So, <laughs> and then we're we're just kind of there, like, well, what can we start for you today? Are you on a mission? Mm-hmm. You know, is there neon tetras you know you want to catch right away while you go browse? So. We've done everything we can to kind of speed the system up, and I think it's working pretty well. I think all things considered, like, that in-store experience has to be improved than the previous days of going in on a weekend, Mm. and there's 15 different sets of customers in a 1,000-square-foot retail store. Yeah. You know, like that, sure, you had to wait 20 minutes to get in or 15 minutes, like whatever it was, but your time in the store now 
is so much more enjoyable because now you can actually like walk around and see what's in every tank because you don't have a wall of people mm-hmm. blocking it off, blocking right? It off. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and it's, you know, some of it is when life gives you lemons, make lemonade kind yeah. of stuff and, and look, look for the positive. So my problem is I, I am looking for the positives yeah. in, in things, right? Is it global pandemic? Sure. Yes. You can, you can moan and drone about that and say how unfortunate things are, which, okay, how long are we going to keep playing that, that note? But, you know, at the same time, just look for the positives that are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's not breathing down your neck at Safeway. You know, you can go in a co-op and, and have a more enjoyable experience when it's your time to actually shop. Um, and, you, hey, in, in the middle of a pandemic, you still have fish that you can buy. So, yeah. And that's, I think, the next hurdle is once we're done with this pandemic, what we've learned from it, you know, are we able to continue this? It, I mean, it sounds like a great thing, and but are people going to play with that? You know, like, oh, that was fine for me taking that pager couple months ago but you know that's over now is that pager system still going to work is the limited amount of people in the store still going to work because i think it's working right now i I totally agree i think people kind of like that they got time to look in a store without people crowding in and around them i mean you've got granted you were in the store but like a butcher shop right they Mm -hmm. always had those little like paper take your number and a little hey number 24 i'm serving number 24 now like you had that kind of shopping experience i'm trying to draw like a parallel of um, is there any other retail experience where you actually don't come in the store unless it's like a well, I mean, maybe sort of like Rodeo Drive, like super high end, like it is your appointment, sir. Now you yeah. can come on in and spend your thousands of dollars on a pair of socks. <laughs> but like short of that experience, um, you know, is there is there something else to say that this would be kind of equivalent to it? Therefore, maybe we could continue to kind of operate this way. I think I think we can. I, I like you said you mentioned about that that butcher number. That's kind of how I kind of been thinking of this system is like all right number two ready um i i there, but, but there could be sometimes too though like in the old days when somebody might have like grabbed a frozen food and just like jammed to the front of the counter yeah oh totally that always happens you so know kind of cut always, in front of yeah, somebody or water and, testing people always want to kind of come and cut through everything yeah so um, I don't, but it, yeah i mean i guess in general like if you just if you just had to wait up front initially, mm-hmm. but you would get a hundred percent dedicated service yeah. once you actually get into the I store. I think that's what we're we're probably looking into. It's mm. basically like, look, you're gonna have to wait, but when you're in, you have one hundred percent of our attention and our services. Um, and then I like that. Yeah, and maybe that just it's a unique aspect to the pet industry. It's mm-hmm. something that we separated ourselves from everyone else just like we already done it with the customer service mm-hmm. you know, going up above and beyond and communication yeah now it's just you took another level of that and for the in-shop experience yeah yeah because i mean how many times have you been at lowe's or home depot and you're like looking for somebody well, to help experience, you experience i remember like petco when petco was new like mid 90s and i was in the reptile department wanting to get like a boa and i think we sat there for like 40 minutes trying to get someone over there for attention yeah so. which which if if it was the reverse was, you know, hey, here's, let's call it 20 or 30 minutes. Like, here, take this pager. Mm-hmm. And then once that thing goes off, you're going to get whatever you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that, I would have to imagine that that's a better experience. I um, think so. Any, so, you know, we've seen fish availability bounce back. Has there been anything new on any of the uh, the wholesale lists that have excited you? Like, what's what are some new fish or maybe an oldie but a goodie that's kind of popped back up that, mm-hmm. you know, has excited you? Well, I think you, you covered, I think, one in one year when you were interviewing Aquahuna. I liked the Candy Cane Tetra. Mm. That is, like... Yeah, you brought that to my attention. Yeah. yeah. And it's I, I think it's a fish I'm going to try to keep in shop. If that thing's available and I have a spot for it in there, I think that's new um, standard. 
further. I think it looks sweet. And as they grow bigger, they just they look more awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was the Burmese Hikari Danio. I think that was. Ooh, yeah, that was in a, that was a hidden I, gem. I think that was in an older Amazonas, and I want to say that was one. Burmese. Let's do the old. And I, I think I got three orders in of them. I only got a few left in the shop. I, I can't wait to get more in. Burmese, These guys Hikari, Danio. are sweet. Uh, uh, they're blue, yeah? Uh, like highlighter yellow highlighter like for the males. They're, they're uh, sexually dimorphic in color. Is it the, this guy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he's got that blue. they got that blue central bar that runs the length of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they've got some... Some like, pictures they don't show the yellow. The female so. kind of looks more like a zebra Daniel, and then the, the male has that like highlighter, mm-hmm. highlighter yellow going on top and bottom. Yeah, so this uh, it's funny you bring this up because you know two and a half, three years ago, whenever it was, I was getting back in and I was setting up my first and main, well, not first tank. The first one was this little Spec Three sitting right here, um, but the the seventy five gallon, right? And I'm planning out what I'm going to put in there, and I was like really set on discus, and then. Um, Flipping through, I don't know, Amazonas or um, what, whatever it was, I came across these Hikari Daniels. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And so I showed it to my wife, and she's like, nah, stick with the discus. I like those better. But it's funny you bring that up because that's definitely one that, um, yeah, that's a really, really cool fish. And so you hadn't seen that before on the list? No, because I think it's a recently discovered species. And I don't know what year that amp. Amazonas magazine. By the way, that's a, an amazing magazine to get a hold of. Oh, I love for, it. I think it's the best oh, fish I, magazine. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Amazonas is awesome. Yeah. Tropical, I, fish, Tropical fish magazine needs to. Is it TF Tropical Fish Hobbyist magazine? What? What is it? Sounds right. They need to split out saltwater and freshwater. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I still subscribe. You still get my money, Tropical Fish magazine, but. I feel like half of my dollars are being wasted because I'm not. I'm just not into saltwater. Mm. Like I'm not into saltwater. I'm not into coral. I've talked with Sean from Fritz about this before. That you know, you do these mixed events, <clears throat> and I feel like it's water and oil. Like yeah. when you put the two together, like sure, you kind of like they're both liquid, but they're not the same, it's and they don't obvious. they don't necessarily blend. Yeah, there's those people that have like the one Fowler tank with all the rest of their fresh water or whatever it is, but they are very distinctly different hobbies mm-hmm. that they share some similar stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's different. It, yeah. it is just different. So please, you know, invest more and just break out fresh water, break out salt water, you know, change it up because Amazonas is just, you know, World class. It yeah. is a fantastic magazine. And I hope to have somebody from Amazonas on the podcast, uh, you know, hopefully soon. But yeah, fantastic magazine. Yeah. What were we talking about? We we're talking about the well, uh, when this thing was. Yeah. Let's so I think it's here. a look recently. It seriously, Bracky, it's a Bracky, So this is a website actually Bracky I use Danio. a lot when I'm doing my fish orders. This is. I love the etymology right here. Bracky, Bracky Danio, ancient Greek meaning short. So Brachus meaning short, and Danny, a Bengalese vernacular term for small minnow-like cyprinid. I love the etymology so much. Uh, da, da, da. do they have any other like when this thing was found? I feel like it was one of maybe the past like five years. Uh, yeah. I mean that seems yeah. that seems yeah. This mag uh, I think maybe the issue was maybe two years ago, two mm. three years ago. And that makes me wonder like how long it does take for new things to kind of trickle into the you know the hobby because I felt like I didn't see this guy until just just recently. Mm. Yeah. Another interesting fish I, I've been bringing in as I got just got the second one in, and he's really cool. He's in the shop right now. Uh, is a centipede knife fish. What is that? Because typically it's clown knives, ghost knives are my m- mainly available knife fish when I do an order. Oh, this guy's cool. So he looks like a 
a leaf. But, yeah, he looks like a leaf fish. So I noticed one thing. So we were wondering, why does he lay on his side? Like, he looks like he's dead when you put him in the tank. And I realized he's trying to blend in like a leaf. He's probably collected in the Amazon where you have a bunch of leaf litter in there. Because he'll kind of flicker a little bit, but he acts during the day like a leaf. And if the tank gets a little dark, uh, he comes out and active, or he throw food in there. He kind of he you know gets down and munches on it. But very peaceful fish, um, nine nine inches or so, full grown. Does he have eyes like a flounder, both on one side? No, or no, they're, they're one on each side. Okay. But uh, no, so he'll just lay down and go completely flat <laughs> on, on the substrate That's or cool. a filter. <laughs> so oddballs can be a little bit more expensive. What's the retail price on that guy right now? Surprisingly, not much, like thirty five. Okay, bucks or so. Yeah, I think. for thirty for... thirty five. Now the one that has gone up. Is actually been extremely hard to find right now, is the Shodan I bought for, which mm. I was getting almost weekly prior to COVID, mm-hmm. and they were originally going for two hundred. Um, Preston John, where yeah, man, you still yeah. bringing these? Things? Doesn't Dean have a? I think like, he's still mass? trying to. I, I thought he had. I thought he had fry that were doing well. Like I, three no, months I ago, I just saw him yesterday. I forgot to ask him about it. So should I message him now and be like, yeah, Robert and I are doing chat. an interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that's what Bob and I did when we were talking about the sunfish. I was like, Robert's place is in order. I'm going to hit him up right now. And I was messaging you while, while uh, Bob and I were talking recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Shonen is I sell now for 300 and Whoa! 300 So Well, you can't get them. So. Yeah, you can't get them. And when it, when I got them, I'm like, I, I just, you know, 200 Could I sell for 200 Sure. You know, but I'm like, I can't get my hands on this thing. And this has just got more expensive. They're an amazing fish. I and mean, surprisingly, three hundred. So I put the first one out for three hundred. I'm like, I don't know if anyone's gonna bite on this fish for three hundred dollars. Twenty seconds on the floor. <laughs> Twenty seconds on the floor. <laughs> like you printed out, you printed print out the little brother out. tag, popped it in, put it on there. Lady walks by and was like, "Mine just died. Buying it right now. I'm calling my boyfriend to make sure it's all good." That is funny. And then we're like, all right, okay, done, sold. Mm-hmm. Um, I get like another couple weeks later, I get like another one, I think trickles in. And I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. You know, it was like two days maybe, sold. <laughs> you're like, all right. So I think I sold six or whatever at, at this time. Wow. Because there for about a week or two, I was able to get them in, um, you know, from, from our wholesalers. I, I did get some in for on a trade. Yeah, I'm going for 300 right Tank now. Tank rates are wild. I think they're all well. Okay, so wholesalers, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. I think they're wild because that might make sense if the whole world's kind of going on a fire show right now. I, I don't see people going to the Congo to catch them. The so, fr- so you think they're tank raised? No, I think some of them, I think the ones we're ordering them might be wild caught. Oh, okay. I think they're going to the Congo for them. Uh, the first one I brought in was definitely tank raised. It was on a trade. It was a, it was just a female that was getting kind of a little bit beaten up on. The guy mm. just didn't need it anymore. Well, it seemed like you know. When Corey first, like, and, and I'll 100% admit that I had never heard of this puffer before until <clears throat> Corey was talking about it on, like, a real fish talk or something like that back in my, you know, still fanboy customer days. And I was just completely intrigued. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I have to have that fish. And, um, you know, at that time, it was like the one guy in Germany was the only one that mm-hmm. had any success breeding them. And yeah. it was like you had to have zero light when they were fry and just all of this stuff, like – this thing is just crazy impossible to breed. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Preston John was able to breed Oh, he's them. cranking them out like a factory. Yeah, and yeah. then and then you had this dude in like Eastern Washington. I've seen him pop up on social yeah. media that he's breeding them and having I, success. I want to say there's a guy up in like Orcas or Woodby Island that's like okay. breeding. I don't know if it, how successful it was, but I think yeah. that's where one of my trades came in from. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're now starting to see that people have cracked the code mm-hmm. of how to breed and work with the show anti-puffer. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it a lot of attention ton of micro foods um mm-hmm. constant feeding throughout the day like just kind of the you know obviously male female and, and how you separate them how you have the tank set up and whatnot 
Um, you know, so we've kind of cracked that code on, on them, and it, 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 I would, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years if you just have just tank raise. Yeah, yeah, more and more people with well, tank raise. I think it's going to have to be because uh, their their more. clutches are huge. Their clutches are huge, but I think a lot of things that people are going to have to start breeding. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of deforestation going on in the Amazon. You know, fires going on and just uncertainty in certain areas like the Congo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're just going to be forced to start breeding. I mean, not to mention also as Brazil, I think shuts down just. Uh, pulling stuff out for the most part. I want to say it's from like certain rivers, rivers. and there's. That makes I sense. think they have a whitelist on what can be exported, and then the joke is that's why you get the uh, Colombian zebra plecos. Oh yeah, <laughs> on the on the export <laughs> list. Yeah, because I, I, I explained. Yeah, I, I had uh, it was a Brazilian cardinal tetras came in the other day. And... Yeah, there's definitely um, there's definitely fish that can be exported. I think they have rules around like foreigners are not allowed to like dip nets or collect fish or that keep sounds, fish or something that like that. Familiar. So they do definitely have some restrictive rules that like Peru or Colombia or some other South American countries don't have. Um, but yeah, fish, fish are definitely coming out of so Brazil. You're definitely is... seeing a push for people trying to breed plecos and corridors. I think that's the ones that are going to be the most were impacted on, mm-hmm. on these like you know, no collection kind of stuff yeah. going on. Well, the uh, thing the thing with the Congo is that it's so, you know, the situation in the Congo is so politically fraught. There's so much, you know, all of the 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 violence, the war torn nature of it. That there's probably still so much of the Congo River that's unexplored and undocumented, yeah. and all the species that are probably still there. That you know, maybe humans haven't encroached on that area yet. It's that's an yeah. amazing river. That's yeah. that river. Actually, I have some books at home. I find if there's one area I would, I would love to go to. Oh, for sure, hundred percent the Congo. The Congo. Absolutely. I think of the whole world. I find that river and that biotope system, that whole eco area, amazing. Well, just the 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 like how it goes from being this incredibly deep, narrow, like super rapid, like it spans it spans the spectrum, like how this river runs. And there's like there's a class three rapids going through the like capital or something, something. Something crazy. There's something crazy like that. And then you've got this pool Malabo. That's this massive outstretched like lake that's on the let's let's actually what, what are we doing, man? I got so the, a little factoid I'm pro- here. I'm projecting so right now. I used now to do factoids at my old job for people. Oh boy. And that's let's what do I, it. I loved the Congo River back then years ago before I worked for Current Co-op. I believe if they properly were to dam that river, it could actually power the whole continent. I think of I've Africa. heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, so, Pool Malabo. Let's see if we can find it. Um, so, I think it's towards the end. Is it before or after Kinshasa? Kinshasa. So, Pool Malabo is, I think, where the puffers come from. Is it this right here? Well, yeah, and I think if I saw Preston show me, is it is it where they collect them? It's like dirty little I water think... areas, like. It's it's not where you think it's going to be. It's not some crystal clear mm-hmm. stream. It was literally where people were washing dishes. Malabo. <sighs> yep, that's Pool Malabo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Melanie Stassini, Dr. Melanie Stassini, I think she's doctor, uh, from like the Smithsonian or wherever she's from, but she goes to the Congo, does collecting, does all this research. Um, and I watched one of her presentations that's on YouTube. I've talked about it several times now, and it's amazing and i should watch it again i'll link it to you you'd you'd freaking get a kick out of it and uh she talks about how basically like those rapids kind of form a natural um uh speciation kind of catalyst in that it is so like the water is so swift it is so deep like a mountain species yeah Yeah. species cannot cross it right so on one side of the river you've got one species of cichlid Mm. and then on the other side you have a related species but it has evolved slightly different than these other ones and then you've got some that live at the very bottom that they eventually you know that they find it um 
when they die and they wash up to the top. But yeah, Pumalebo outside of um, Kinsasha, I believe, formerly Stanley Pool. Yep, learned that from her. Um, but yeah, so you, you have this like massive, like wide stretching pool Malabo. And then as it flows downstream, I think it then kind of compresses into those rapids and mm -hmm. you get super deep, super crazy, gnarly rapids, but it's just an amazing, it's an amazing yeah. body of water. Amazing yeah. part and of the world. You got some you know, like real slag areas, you know, where you got mm -hmm. like your, your, your Crebenzis, like one of my favorite fish. I don't say like pretty much the whole continent of Africa. I think is just amazing for the wildlife. It's there. it's yeah. pretty freaking awesome. Like going into like Western Africa, going into any of these kind like um, let's see here, like I think Sierra Leone, like the whole this whole like Atlantic Ocean, Western Africa just Africa. has this whole strip of you know killifish and mm -hmm. you know uh, cichlids and just it's it's incredible. It's an absolutely so, incredible area. And then of course Rift Lakes. Yeah, Rift Lakes. That gets me uh, another question. So I've been bringing in killifish, and Jimmy and I are wondering, we're, we're, we've been talking about this, we kind of wonder, with the whole aquarium hobby kind of blown up right now, and nano tanks certainly being popular, because a lot of people live in apartments, small condos, where, you know, like, like your little three-gallon tank right there is maybe what all you could have. Killifish, I think, are kind of getting popular. You think so? I think so. I think they're a little bit on the rise. Um, and especially with something, I think people kind of being interested in trying to breed stuff, I think they're kind of gaining popularity. Well, what's the joke? It's like they're the they're the shoebox fish or whatever, because all the killy guys, all the old school killy guys, they have nothing but all of those sterilite clear plastic containers, and that's where they basically like raise their killy fish. They keep their eggs. They keep the adults sometimes. Like they spawn them in these mm. things. And so you go into like an old school person's fish room, and they've got just all these like small I've, clear I've heard containers. That, like, yeah, I've heard like tons of little tanks everywhere. Yeah, I wonder though, is it? So I would I would wonder. And maybe you can speak to this, but are people buying like new people into the hobby with nano tanks? Are they only getting the males, or are they getting males and females? Well, we only sell males and females of most of the annuals. Or mm -hmm. um, now, some stuff like like somebody has to buy the male. Female. You have to buy the male. It has female. to be a pair. Yeah, so okay. Sometimes the female kicks it. Um, it's never the male that kicks it early. It's always a female. I think they just get thrashed in. The Rachovis that I tried to work with, the female, the female uh, went first. Yeah, like I know, like yeah. mine at home, like the females getting kind of a little bit beaten up on by the male, and so sometimes I'll have a lone male, you know, kicking around. So in that case, we sell them for like half off mm. on there. So some people just want a cool looking fish right. for their tank for a while. Uh, but you know, stuff like clown killies, you know. Uh, Gardner eye, not Gardner eye, uh, Clown Killies and normal lamp eyes, you could buy whatever you want. They're mm -hmm. just coming in like a group. You know, I'll buy 25, 30 at a go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gardner eyes are, I mean, that is such a hardy, awesome fish, too, that I think anybody starting a uh, starting in the hobby, they would not be sad to have, you know, a male Gardner eye kicking around in their yeah. tank. What um what Killie did you take home recently? Uh, the uh, Gunther eye. The Gunther eye. Gunther eye. Nothiobrachus Gunther eye. Nothiobrachus. Let's see here. Let's pull. So I'm trying out. to breathe these. We'll see if it happens. I was like, you know, I'm what's try your it. so so? Then what are you doing, Robert? Take me through how, how you're trying to breathe. Well, I need guys. to get some peat moss. I don't have that yet. Uh, but it's in a heavily planted up, like six point eight gallon aquarium. I got crypts out in there everywhere and some floating plants. So my blue Galeris right now. I I since abandoned the um, uh, gravel substrate layer mm. that was recommended to me. It just you know it was recommended by Rosario Lacourt. And I have zero doubt that he crushed it and did incredibly well with his blue blue Galeris by having them spawn in the gravel. Which, by the way, is like the most sought after 
Killifish, I the think. The Blue Galarius? Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone I'm wants that one. I'm trying, Robert. I'm trying, okay? <laughs> so um, I abandoned that because I, I had done the suctioning a couple times, and I'd get like one or two eggs that I would see in there, but I just wasn't getting the results that he had told me about. And again, I have zero doubt that his experience and his skill is why he was so successful, and I'm just a goof. Like, I'm just a Padawan breeder, you know, just kind of, you know, get, <laughs> just, just getting by, doing my thing. And so I've switched it up, and now I've done mops. So mm-hmm. I do sinking mops of green yarn, and I'm getting, I could probably pull five or six eggs from each of those mops uh, every couple of days. Are, right? you, are you able to see the eggs really yep. clearly on there? Yep, okay. yep. So I've got three tanks with uh, three pairs of of these um, of the blue Galaris, and then I've got one male who's by himself. He's hanging out with the giant autos in the ten gallon. Um, so, and every day I'll get you know every every other day I'll get five or six eggs. Now, I've now I've now course corrected, and I've got them breeding. I've got them spawning. I'm getting eggs in the mop. I'm pulling them, but now I'm at this point where. You know, Rosario had recommended that I do water incubation, and so Corey and I were talking about it, and it was just, oh, well, just put the eggs in your little um, trays that you use for the fry grow up, and mm-hmm. just leave them in there, and then hopefully that should do the trick, you know, kind of per Rosario. Well, um, either they were getting blown out, or like they were just fungusing, like that, I, I wasn't having success with that. So th- so now what I'm trying to do is figure out, how do I, how do I get them in peat? I watched one video of doing the uh, the peat moss incubation, the dry incubation, if you will. And the guy was like, okay, well, I'll take peat moss, I'll get it moist, and then I'll just put the eggs on top, and then every couple of days I'll go in and I'll pick out the ones that fungus. Mm. Well, I didn't quite figure that out. I think I need to get that out of my fish room because it's too dry in there, and I think mm. it's sucking too much of the moisture out, even though I've got it like in an enclosed container. So that wasn't working for me very well. And so now what I'm doing, and I think I've done it one time now, so what I've done is I've taken my measuring cup, I do like two drops of methylene blue, so a little bit heavier than what I would even do for angel eggs when I pull them. Usually with angel eggs, I'll just kind of like touch the little dopper in. It's not even like a full drop. It just kind of turns the water light blue a little bit, and then that works just fine for angel fish. Um, But I've gone a little bit heavier on the methylene blue and a smaller amount of water, and then I pick out the ones that clearly fungus, and I've done one batch of moist peat, plastic bag, put the eggs in there, put like 10 eggs in there, seal it up, write the date, and I'm going to let those sit in my closet up up above in the dark for like seven weeks. Mm. I don't know if that's going to work, but now I'm on my second batch of, I've got the methylene blue water, I've got eggs in there. Last night I pulled out a couple ones that were fungus, and it's like, I think these things are at least fertilized. So now I'm at the point where I'm just like trying to figure out, I've got them breeding, I'm getting the eggs. Now it's how do I get the eggs to incubate? And then and then it's a matter of, um, I know I can hatch them out because I obviously hatched out eggs to get my blue Galaris to begin with. So that's kind of where I am right now. That's my update on blue Galaris. And the hope would be that, you know, I can bring you in like 10 pairs a month or something, you know, like something, <laughs> something like that, like some, some consistent number of blue Galaris that I can bring into aquarium co-op. Um, yeah, because mine have a really cool, uh, they're the low, which I think you might have seen a picture of them. Yeah, I saw that picture. You've seen pictures of them? Uh, of uh, of your, the, yeah, I think of your stock. On the, on the forum. Uh, Let's see here. Shout out to forum.aquariumcoop.com. You can come get in on the action and check out all the cool stuff that I we're doing. I also post weekly the fish stock list. Oh, there you go. Your response to mine, by the way, are always like, Robert, I think I brought in 30 or 40. What do you think? And you're like, Sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Well, thanks for the, thanks for the." Well, the what time was, response, was it? Like eleven thirty at night? I don't know. You don't have to respond at eleven thirty at night. I feel obligated to. Oh my goodness! 
that Graham Co-op uh, customer service. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing <laughs> you have to me. respond to everything. That's too funny, man. That's too funny. All right, where, where am I at here? I'm going to um, manage my followed content, and it is ah, Randy's Fish Room is the thread. And I think, did I start off with Blue Glaris? I think I did. There he is. What? The image is broken? We got to fix that. Yeah, see, this is so one time I actually did get some eggs when I did the whole like pull out some uh, pull out some some gravel and other junk, and that was some blue Glarus eggs. But yeah, that's weird though that that uh, that that picture's not there anymore. Huh. Anyway, I know I saw it, and I now I don't feel like it was on this form. I felt like it was. Maybe... It's it's basically these guys. Uh, they've I think it's like one of our little group chats or something. Yeah. These ones have a much lighter blue than kind okay. of the traditional. They don't have that very bright orange kind of flag stripe on their tail yeah um but you know i feed them i feed them blood worms like every day wow and there dude there's one male that's a chunk i actually probably should not feed them every day blood worms <laughs> but hey they need that they need that those good nutrients those that that protein to uh to make those eggs which hopefully i'm not overfeeding them okay so speaking of food this is something i because i'm kind of excited back to like with that order that we're we're waiting on showing up here and some of that order that that order I placed is live food. Like I have a copepod mm. colony. I'm trying to get Dean wants like a Daphnia colony. And so in the shop, or actually, in the shop we're hatching baby brine shrimp. That's obviously a very popular thing with shipping out brine shrimp hatchery kits and stuff like that. And with the whole kind of aquarium hobby blowing up, do you think live food culturing is like the next kind of like thing about to like blow up? Live food culturing, yeah. Because a lot of people now care about what you eat, you know, like what goes in your mouth. And I get that quite a bit in the shop. People, you know, they're, they're going through the ingredients of a fish list uh, on a fish food bottle, and they don't want to see the fillers. So, okay, so do I think do I think as a business live food culturing is going to be a thing, or do I think people in general are going to culture live uh, foods for I guess, their— I guess a little bit both, you know, especially with trying to breed more fish. You know, things get a little bit tougher to— collect in the wild and you're now forced to kind of breed do you think so i would say i would say there's probably like a percentage of of an average aquarist with like one to three tanks a percentage of them are going to occasionally hatch brine shrimp out Mm -hmm. right and then of the people that are getting into the hobby now a certain percentage of them are going to get multiple tank syndrome and then it's pretty likely i would say if you've got multiple tank syndrome you're highly likely going to um, get into breeding or hatching out baby brine shrimp and then eventually probably trying to work with daphnia or one of these other live cultures i would i I would think so so i would say inherently just because the popular the 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 hobby's growing i would say that they're yes that that more people will be doing this kind of stuff and i've seen it at petco where you go into the little fridge sections usually in the reptile area they'll have like sometimes baby brine there and they'll have other copepods you feed your reef tank so i'm wondering Mm -hmm. too uh would some kind of i guess fish food manufacturer kind of start breeding stuff where they have it like this bottle lasts say three weeks by it comes in the fridge and it has it's some kind of colony you can just feed your fish or be a starter colony. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, so what what got me super jealous of the the ger- one of the Germany videos that Corey shared was that their retail pet stores like their brick and mortar, but and by brick and mortar, they're like they're very very nice though compared yeah. to our brick and mortars. Um, like they had daily shipments of 
baby brine shrimp, of brine shrimp, and of, I want to say, even Daphne. Like, you could go in there and get this little plastic tubey sock thing. I think I saw that. Full of those live foods. And I think they were getting that, like, every day or every other day. So, like, we, we know that in Germany that that's sustainable to some point, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's about to collapse or it's booming, like, I don't know, but they're they're doing it today. And, you know, if enough people get into the hobby and there's enough demand for it, then for sure, like, I, I think it would be a business, a, a potential business model. But I don't know, like, the, the live food culture, uh, culturing or, like, buying, buying live, I don't know, Daphne or something. I don't know how, I don't know how much money is in that. Yeah, oh, like food. I, I don't know. Like I, I make just, it kind of curious in my because our shipping my... is so expensive is the problem. Yeah, like shipping here compared well, to maybe, elsewhere maybe, in the world, like because the country's it's... so large. Oh yeah, large. Um, because that's like you know I, when you talk to when you talk to some of these e-commerce people that are in Europe versus here, um, you know just kind of what they're able to ship. And I've never fact checked this, so I'm just going off what that what I've been told is that shipping in Europe is much less um, expensive than it is here. You know, because for us, we have to, fa- like, them shipping from the UK to Germany would be like us shipping from, you know, Washington to Southern California. Perhaps. Which I kind of forget, how, like, how big our country is. It's freaking huge. Yeah, yeah it's freaking huge. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, like, was, like, Germany, like, yeah, fits inside the United States. Yeah, know, it's, like, it's pretty stinking huge, man. Um, but, uh, you know, you see that also in the reptile culture over there, too. You know, they feed tons of other stuff. Like, here, it's just crickets you know and if you're lucky like you know we have a nice little reptile store not far from here we can get cockroaches you see that kind of came in a petco it's kind of bs a little bit it's like two cockroaches in a container <laughs> but uh you know over there that that's a normal thing like you don't really feed crickets there it's like it's like no it's locusts you know like that's what mm. you feed it's grasshoppers is what they they're big in uh, on is it is a grasshopper more nutritious than a it's cricket? better it's more nutrition i think here it is the um not fda but it's it's um Basically, they don't want them getting loose and like eating up all your corn. Right, and right, like and doing like the biblical plague of locusts yeah. flying in and just like wiping out. And, and I know like just the, the bug hobby in general is big in Europe too. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, they they have like a plethora of uh, insects for your critters to eat. <laughs> I don't want to admit it, but like the getting the Pac-Man frog for my son has almost made me interested in like getting a smaller like bug enclosure. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to tell you that because I made fun of you so much for it, but. But like giving you a hard time. Hey, I've kept cockroaches before, and there's some cool ones out there. If you ever like one, I, I always want to do. I, get, I gave you the dubia roaches, right? Didn't I? I, ha- I bought dubia roaches when I bought my gargoyle gecko. I think so. And I, I probably fed them off. I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't remember. But that's like a feeder slash like pet yeah. cockroach. Well, like one I wanted to always keep was it was called Blabberus giganticus, and it's like a six inch wingspan on, on a cockroach. Oh, jeez. But they're they're like the giant cave roach. Anyway, like it's like you you could feed them off. I, I guess I'd be like you know using your 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 killifish as like a feeder fish. Oh <laughs> like, my goodness, that's <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. All right, Robert. Well, we're hitting the uh, where are we at about an hour in this mm-hmm. conversation, man. It's been an absolute blast catching up with you and talking about a you know wide potpourri, a cornucopia of subjects with you, sir. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's try to do another one before uh, a year and a half is out. Yeah. And hopefully, whenever we do, everything's returned to normal, and uh, we've got you know a bunch more people in the hobby that are being super successful, and you know maybe we're, we're we're talking about a couple businesses that have popped up and are shipping live Daphnia to your door for a very reasonable price, or make it a thing, make whatever, it a thing, whatever you make it a thing, make you it. do it. Stop telling people like breed you like got a garage, buddy. Door frogs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert, have a good one, man. Thank you. Thank you.